One's from the trailer park, one's from the farm. Rings on their fingers, no babies on their arms. Taking life with a grain of salt and lime. Living, loving, laughing, we're having a good time. Nothing too deep won't tell you how to vote. Two stand-up comics with stories from the road. We're cutting up, really. All right, we got a hot podcast coming at you. I got uh, I got more road stories uh, and uh, about my trip to the auto parts store. This is the We're Having a Good Time podcast. All right, my name's Dusty Slay, and uh, my co-host, Hannah Hogan, is off on the road. We tried to do this earlier in the week. We failed to do it. So now, here I am uh, at uh, 7.30 a.m. before I leave to go to um, uh, Peoria, Illinois today. So I'm up in the morning doing a podcast. I'm trying to be on top of things and say, you know what, I've committed to doing a podcast, let's wake up, let's do the podcast. Yesterday I was like, oh, I have the whole day, I can do the podcast today. But then I got into running some errands, had a phone call, had this and that. Uh, and then I was like, I'll do it late tonight. And then when it came late tonight, I was like, I'll just do it in the morning. And then when the morning came, I was like, do I even need to keep doing the podcast and of course I do. I'm having a great time doing it. And here I am. But I'm tired and my brain doesn't feel fully functional today. Um, but uh, but I feel good. So uh, I have some exciting stuff. I have, you know, since I did the last podcast was on a Friday. Uh, not a lot has gone on. I mean, I did. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and do the where we've been, where we're going. Where they going. Where they been? Where they going? Where, where they been? Where we're going? Where we've been? Last week, uh, Hannah had a show here in Nashville. Uh, I think that went really well. I didn't go. I think it went well. She was pretty excited about it. Um, I don't remember the venue. Uh, I erased all our old venues, or I would mention it. Uh, no offense to any uh, comic that ran that show. And then I went to Crawfordsville, Indiana. Now, this was Saturday. This was Saturday when Alabama played LSU. Now, Alabama and LSU is my favorite football game of the year. Now, the last couple of years, it hasn't been that great. But that's my favorite football game of the year. I don't get into a lot of sports. I mean, I I love some good sports talk. Uh, and I love highlights. I could watch highlights all day. But I'm not that into sports. Uh, watching the whole thing for teams that I don't care about. But I love the Alabama-LSU game. So once in, I think it was 2011, I had entered a comedy competition in Charleston, South Carolina. And I had never won this. I never even got far in the competition. So I wasn't that invested. But 
I had won my first round and I was on to the second round. And the second round had two nights. It had a Friday night and a Saturday night. That Saturday night was when Alabama was playing LSU and they were both undefeated. It was a huge game. And so I asked, I said, can I do the Friday show as opposed to the Saturday show? And I was honest, even to theater people, I was honest. And I said, hey, um, I'd like to watch a football game on Saturday. Can I do the Friday show instead of the Saturday show? And they said, no, uh, they needed me for Saturday. So I dropped out of the competition so I could watch uh so I could watch the football game. Now, twist to the story. Turns out someone dropped out on Friday. They let me do the contest on Friday. I ended up winning the whole thing. First time I ever won a comedy competition. And uh, probably the thing that gave me the real boost to do comedy uh, for longer. And the first time I ever really made money, I won a thousand bucks to do that. And I was pretty pumped. Uh But that being said, that was this Saturday, the Alabama LSU game. So this is what I did. I drove five hours to the Crawfordsville Country Club. My show was at 8. They asked me to get there at 7. I got there about 6. So I get in there. I go. I find a room in the Country Club. They let me hang out in by myself. And I just write out my set list and hang out for a bit and talk to people. Show starts at 7. I'm on by like 7.45. And I go up at 7.45. I do an hour. Done at 8.45. I'm walking out of there by a little after 9. Get back in the car. Uh, And I had recorded the game on my DVR at home. So I I recorded the game. I got in the car. I drove five hours home. Daylight savings time kicks in. Brought me an extra hour. I got home around 2 o'clock, pulled up, pulled up the game. I avoided social media the whole night, so I wouldn't know who won. And then I got to watch the game, fast forward through all the commercials, and and it was great. So point is, thanks to technology, I now get to watch my game and do my job and my passion, which is comedy. And the Crawfordsville show was very fun. It was a really good time. Um, and, you know, I love doing gigs like that. I mean, I love mixing it up. Now I'm going to go this weekend to a comedy club that I've never been to. I'll talk to you about that in a second. Uh, Sunday, I did a show with Brian Bates, uh, who was on the podcast, and a friend of mine. Uh, also, Dan Whitehurst, who I've done a lot of shows with. And Lee Harden, who I've uh, done a lot of shows with. And also uh, was roommates with Lee Harden for a short time. So... It was good. It was cool to hang out with those guys, and uh, we had a fun show. Um, and I've sold my first. I have my I have my Dusty Slay Racing T-shirts now, NASCAR shirts. So I, I sold those. I don't have those up online yet, uh, but I will get that soon. And uh, they're hot shirts. Uh, this will be my first weekend here selling them at a club. And then uh, this weekend, I'm going to the Jukebox Comedy Club in Peoria, Illinois. I've never been there. Hannah has been there with Jimmy Pardo, and she said that it's uh, a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm taking Connor Larson from Nashville with me. Uh, We did uh, the Blue Room a while back. And then Hannah is going to be at Penguins Comedy Club in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. So she's up there, and I bet it's real cold. 
Um, but that's it. That's where we've been, where we're going. And I really enjoyed doing that last podcast that I did. I got to play around with it. I got to add some music in the background. I'm probably not going to have time to add all that into this one, but I hope that you still just enjoy the sound of my voice. And I got a fun story for you. I will try to put some music behind his story uh, because I think it's pretty fun. It's shorter. Um, and I got, you know, I got several good ones from people. So I'm going to try to include one on every episode, uh, you know, because I think it's fun. I mean, it's it's more of a, uh, this is more of a place he stayed story. Um, all right, now on to the advice to comics section. You are what you are. Now, I've stopped prefacing this, but I'm going to start again because I just want people to know that when I'm like giving advice that, you know, I get it. If you don't want to listen to me, you don't have to listen to me. But sometimes I think people uh, think that I'm uh, a know-it-all and self-righteous and you know, I know some people in my family think that, <laughs> and uh, so, you know, uh, people in my family always think that I think that I'm better than them because I've moved away, you know, and I'm like, I'll, I'll be like making fun of my hometown, and they're like, oh, you live in Nashville, now you're too good for it, and I'm like, no, I always made fun of my hometown, I, and I make fun of the town I live in now. I just like to make fun of things, so it's not a matter of being better. Um, but, uh, I always make fun of stuff. And, uh, I had a cousin once I had lived in Charleston, South Carolina for a while. And she was like, she said, uh, you done picked up that Yankee accent. <laughs> and I was like, well, I live in South Carolina, but I get it. My accent's always changing. I mean, a lot of people tell me, they'll say, you don't even sound Southern. And then other people will act like I'm the countryest person they've ever heard. So I don't even know what an accent is anymore. My wife's Canadian. We're, we're, we're mingling up each other's accents. Her family thinks she sounds super Southern. And, uh, you know, I, I remember even when I still lived in Alabama, I, I went to visit this girl that I was trying to date, and, and I went to her trailer park and uh, knocked on the door, and, like, her mom's boyfriend came, and he was, like, really giving me a lot of, you know, uh, I don't know what you say. I don't know the word. Giving me a lot of shit. I don't know the other. I don't know another word. And um, uh, he was like, "Where are you from?" And he was trying to tell me that I was a Yankee. And I was like, "Dude, I live like right down the street. We just have a better school than you guys have here." You know, I mean, I know a few words, uh, and uh, that didn't work out. That relationship didn't work out. But I, I did. However, I this girl I dated. Uh, I won't even say I dated because it wasn't even. I had no idea how to date, but she lived in a trailer in uh, Valley, Alabama, and uh, and I met her in Lafette, and I kissed, the first time I kissed this girl, I was at a party uh, at a chicken coop, no, no lie, like an old chicken coop that they had now converted into a little party lounge, and I kissed her while leaning up next to a John Deere tractor. It might not have been a John Deere, but it was a tractor, you get the point. Uh, and I think that's hilarious. I think about that sometimes. And I mean, I rode to the party on a four wheeler was hanging out. I think I had a beer and this was, I mean, I was probably 15, you know, 
And, uh, you know, I was just thought I was partying. I mean, I was partying. I was living the life. I always make fun of myself when I was younger. But you know what? I was confused when I was younger, but I was doing my thing. Yeah, you know, I was trying. I was really trying. And I, I was, I had a lot of success with stuff. And, uh, I always tr- trash myself, like, because my life is so much better now because I stopped drinking and cleaned myself up. And I try to be nicer to people than I used to, uh, even though sometimes people don't think that about me. I'm going to get to, uh, all right, so I don't know how I got off on that tangent, but this is the, uh, this, I was, I was involved, I would say, just do the work as a comic. You know, if you want to write better jokes, just be writing all the time. If you want to be funnier, just, it's not the audience's fault. It's not the other comics on the scene fault. If, if you're not getting booked, and, you know, there might be some circumstances where you've made everybody mad and you're the most hilarious person in town, but they won't book you because you made everybody mad. There might be some circumstances like that. But chances are, if you're not getting booked in your town, it's because you're not good. And not being good doesn't mean that you can't ever be good. It just means that you're not good right now. So you just need to be practicing, practice, practice, practice. I mean, be on stage all the time, be writing jokes all the time, rethink your jokes. If you wrote a joke and, and that joke's not working, but you're like, ah, I really like this. Just try to think of a new perspective. Try to think of a new way to think about it. Call the friend. Say, hey, I'm doing this joke right now and I'm telling it like this. Is there another way that you could think of that I could tell about, you know, that I could tell it? I mean, I call friends all the time. I got friends that don't even do comedy anymore. But we used to do comedy together and they're very funny people. And I'll call them and I'll be like, "Hey, I've been I've been trying to write this joke and I just can't seem to work it out. What do you think about it?" And and the advice they give is not always I don't always take it, but a lot of times I do. And um so I just think it's so important to just do the work. So many people want to take shortcuts. They want to just jump right into comedy and suddenly you're a comedian. And it's like, I spent, you know, I I say, I mean, I started comedy. For, I did the comedy the first time in 2004, uh, but I didn't really do it for four years. So I started again in 2008. So 10 years I've been working on this, sometimes harder than others, but 10 years I've been working on getting better, writing better jokes, having better stage presence, all of these things. I've been working on them. I've been working, man, have I gone through some changes. And you can't expect to just jump right up and be the best. I mean, sometimes people will cite someone. They'll be like, oh, Dave Chappelle was doing comedy at 19 and he, you know, and it's like, uh, yeah. I mean, sometimes people jump right in and they are great, but chances are that's, it's not going to be, it's not going to be you. Uh, it wasn't me. Uh, I had a pretty funny delivery from the beginning. I mean, I could tell a joke, uh, but that's because I had been telling jokes my whole life. I mean, I watched my dad tell jokes, my, my mom tell jokes. I mean, I watched everybody in my family tell jokes. I mean, uh, I don't know what it is. Uh, I don't know if it's old Southern people or not, but. My family loved to tell jokes, so I've been telling them for a long time. Street jokes, as you would say, but uh, been telling them for a long time. And so if you're not putting in the work, uh, you're probably not going to get the results. 
You know what I mean? Like, I'd love to have a six-pack and be super ripped. You know what I mean? But I don't like the gym. I don't like working out. What I what I normally do is if I see myself gaining weight, I just stop eating ice cream and candy bars and a lot of bread for a while, and then I lose it, and then I'm fine again. I mean, I would love to be, you know, I always wanted to be a wrestler growing up. I thought that I should be in the WWF because... It was along the time where the trash talking in the ring really started. Back in the day, it was just backstage, but it started in the ring. And I thought, man, I'd be great at that. I just need to be muscular. But I, I you know, I'm never going to be a wrestler uh, because I don't like working out. So if you don't like going to open mics, if you don't like working out jokes, you're probably not going to be a comic. But I can tell you from experience, it's... It's uh, sometimes hard to keep writing all the time, but one of the most exciting things to me is when I write a new joke and it works. I'm like, man, this is oh, this is awesome. I can't wait to do a show so I can tell this new joke. So keep that in mind. Then also, uh, learn to take a joke. I mean, I, do, I am not the kind of person who, who, who uh, I hate to use this term again, but I'm not the kind of person that gives people shit. You know what I mean? I'm not always like... Uh, you know, I'm not that guy that's, you know, always trying to joke on people. But every once in a while, I'll be in a fun mood. I'll make a couple of jokes about someone. And when they get offended, it's just like, I, I don't even know what to do, especially in a room full of comics. Like I was involved in uh, a group thread and uh, and I just made a couple of jokes. And man, did someone get upset at me. And I just, and I... I just hate it because, you know, uh, you know, to their credit, I mean, they're right. I was being sarcastic. I was being, you know, uh, rude, I guess. But I, I was also just trying to be funny, right? I was just being funny. And uh, but the person did write uh, me one direct message that I thought was funny, and uh, they said. We can't all be headlining Stinky's Joke Barn in Bismarck, North Dakota. And uh, I thought that was a great dig because uh, I do do, I mean, I'll do any gig. I mean, I'm all about it. If, if you know, I mean, thankfully, the longer I've been doing this, the more my price goes up. So, you know, I mean, now I'm, I'm a little more reserved at what I do. But if the money's right, I'll do Stinky's Joke Barn in Bismarck, North Dakota. Uh, but there is none. I checked it. It doesn't exist. But, you know, I'll go anywhere and do any gig if the money's right. I mean, the problem, you know, the problem is sometimes the money. I mean, I feel like that the when you up your price, you know, people will also get offended at, um, at that too. They'll go, how much? And then you'll tell them and then they're like, act like you're big time. But it's like, it reaches a point uh you know, it's hard for a comic to put a value on what they do. I mean, I, I've really struggled with that for a long time, trying to put a value on my comedy. But at the end of the day, I got to ask myself, you know, is it like I don't want to be like going, sitting at home going, oh, I don't want to do this gig. Uh, it's not even that much money. You know what I mean? I don't want to. I want to be excited, be like, hey, I have a great gig. It pays well. I'm excited about doing it because also the more the booker is willing to pay you, then the more uh, it seems like they care about the show. If they don't care about paying you, well, they probably don't care about the success of that show. Uh, I would, I would say.
but do the work on your jokes. Make sure that you write good, you know, make sure that you're writing all the time. Write stuff down all the time. I wrote something down yesterday. I don't know if it'll ever be a good joke, but this is just an example. When I left the store, I wrote this down. I'm hoping this will be something one day. Who knows if it will or not, but I was in this uh, auto parts store, Napa, Napa know-how, and uh, the lady uh, working there, uh, she said, hey, when I came in, you know, and uh, it was great, and I got my, I got some oil, because, you know, I got a car with 312,000 miles on it, so, you know, I went to get some coolant and some oil, because I got to be honest, at any point I'm trying to get a new car and I'm, I am not trying to keep doing these oil changes. My car drains a little oil as I go along. So I figure I'll just keep filling it up, you know? So anyway, I go buy some oil, coolant, this girl working there. She has like dyed red hair, camouflage, like a hunting camouflage jacket, lip piercing, you know, like she looks like a girl that I would have done some drugs with, you know what I mean? And, uh, uh, but she's very nice and, uh, I can relate to her and we're talking, making jokes, having a good time. And then I go put the oil in my car and realize that I actually need much more oil than what I put in there. So I go back in there, get the oil. And, uh, now what we said next was she said, my roommate's seals are cracked. Uh, because we were talking about oil. She said, my roommate's seals are cracked. But I thought she said, my roommate sells crack. Right? And it's all in the way that she said it. And in the way that she looked. Right? Because she looked like a person who might have a roommate that sold crack. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, all right. So this is what went down. I, I got more oil and I was like, oh, I got to get some more oil. My car's about out of oil altogether, you know? And she, she goes, man, I know that happens to me all the time, but my roommate sells crack. And, <laughs> and I just laughed. And, and then she kept, she kind of looked at me when I laughed and then kept going with her story. And I realized, oh, that's not what she said. And then I was like, oh, her roommate seals cracked. Seals are cracked. My roommate's seals are cracked, right? You you just lose that R in there. And then I said, oh, your roommate's seals are cracked. She goes, yeah, you know, like the seals in there. I said, I thought you said your roommate sells crack. And then she wasn't really even phased by it, but I don't have a real ending to the joke. But my point is, that's what, you know, observational comedy is. You're just paying attention to what's going on. Some weird circumstance happens. You write you write that down. That's the real story. And then you spend time working on that. You find, well, what kind of thing can I make up at the end that um, that that gives a punchline to this? Or, or can I figure out what a punchline is? You, you know, so it's all about writing the joke, you know? I mean, it's observational comedy is not just writing what happened down, it's finding that punchline at the end. You know what I mean? Like, I used to have this joke uh, where this guy said, uh, this year I bought all my presents online. Well, except for some of them. And I was like, that's why we invented the word most. You know? And people really liked that joke for a while. And uh, But I didn't say to the guy, that's why we invented the word most. That's what I invented in my head, and then I pretended that I said to him later. You know what I mean? 
Like when someone says, are you one of the Hymans? And I'm like, yeah, because they named me Dusty Hyman, right? I never said that to anyone. People did ask me if I was one of the Hymans, and I was wearing a name tag that said Dusty. So they were not thinking. I mean, Dusty's not even a Jewish name. You know what I mean? No Jewish kids named Dusty. I mean, if if you're listening to this podcast and you're Jewish and your name's Dusty, I'd like to hear from you. But I don't believe there are any Jewish Dusties. All right, so now let's get to uh, food on the road. I said food on the road. Food on the road. I don't have a lot of food stories because this week because I just... I've been sitting at home, you know, I've been, uh, I don't even know what I've done this week. It's a real fog. I've watched a lot of TV. Um, we had, a, a apparently the biggest election of my lifetime was a couple of days ago. And, uh, that's the, the, I don't, I, the news cycle and what's happening is like the perfection of reality TV. Our news cycle has become reality TV perfected, and it's it pulls me in. Uh, it's such a waste of time. It's like an ongoing drama that never ends. I, I, I used to, you know, I pulled up Twitter today, and I was like, shooting, 12 people dead. And I was like, well, I'll just shut that down. And uh, it's like... It's just ongoing. I just wish that the news media would like just find some good stories. There's some good stories out there. You remember that story that I read about the lady in Georgia that choked out a bobcat with her bare hands? Yeah, I mean, I ended up getting in contact with that lady, and we exchanged a couple of messages, and she uh, wanted to come on the podcast, but I don't have a way to do call-ins. I don't know how to do that. And uh, I'll get her on here one day. But it's like, that's a good story. Some of those good things are happening. Pepper in some of those now and then. You know, it's like, yeah, this is a huge country. There's a lot of bad stuff going on. If we want to just look for the bad, but let's find some good stuff. I mean, there's got to be somebody out there giving free hugs or something like that. Find that person because, man, this is... Uh, but anyway, the point is, it's just like a never-ending cycle, and I get so caught up in it. Like, not emotionally, because I don't, I mean, I care. Like, I want us to all, like, be safe and everybody be free and safe and happy, but I don't care what politician gets in what place as long as they do good things for us. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't... uh I'm not rooting for... They're all rich. You know what I mean? They all have more money than me. Every one of them. I'm not rooting for them. I don't feel bad for them. When they lose an election, I'm like, no! <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, uh, you're uh, you're still super rich. You know, it's like when all of these uh, uh, Me Too people are going down. Like, I don't... I mean, well, they're, you know, they're bad people, but I don't feel bad for them either because they're like, you know, they're going... They're still rich, right? They just go, they're shamed, but they're still rich. And not that money is everything, but it's like, at the end of the day, it's not like they fired you and now you're homeless. Like, you're like, dang, uh, I, I don't have a job anymore. Too bad I'm a millionaire. You know what I mean? So, but when I was in L.A., um, yeah, big time. Yeah, when I was in L.A., I, this, let me tell you. My dad 
is a kind of guy that will go to he will travel to places all over the country and eat at the same chain restaurants he recognizes, right? Like my dad will travel the country eating at Shoney's. And I've always made fun of him for that. But when I was in LA, I went to I went to the same Denny's twice. Because I'm I'm just like, you know what? I got I got some stuff to do. I got some meetings that I got to go to. I got things to do. The last thing that I need to do is worry about navigating myself to some hipster joint. Uh, not knowing what kind of food I'm going to get because a lot of those hipster joints are fantastic. But others are just like, I don't even know what's going on in here. You got 75 tables open. Why can't I sit down? Uh, why don't I understand anything on the menu? So I was like, you know what? I'll go to the Denny's. I'll get eggs, toast, hash browns, and coffee. I know what I'm getting. And I went there twice. And I, I enjoyed it. I had a hamburger at Denny's, though, one of the times, and I did not feel that great after that. I mean, I wasn't sick, but I felt gassy. I was bloated. But the eggs, on point. <clears throat> but I did go and have a steak at a place called Morton's. Uh, some some people took me there. They treated me to some Morton's uh, steak, and uh, very expensive. I was I was like, oh, no, you brought me in here. Because uh, I always feel bad when people are buying me expensive stuff. When people are treating me, I always try to find the cheapest thing I can on the menu because I'm like, I don't feel good about this. But it's like a $50 steak. And I think that's just the poorness that's ingrained in my blood that I can't let go of. Other people are like, please, we have $50 to spare. Uh, just get whatever you want. And I'm like, ooh, $50. You know what I mean? And uh, But I had a 12-ounce um Ribeye, which I love a ribeye. I think a ribeye is a great steak. I had a 12-ounce, and it was huge. I think that I've been eating these Western Sizzling steaks where they may start at 12, but they're cooked down to, they're cooked down to you know, five. But this, this, was, this was, I almost wrecked my whole setup here. Uh, it's early. I am not, I'm not with it. But the, uh, this steak was great, and I ate it, and uh, I was my stomach was so full of meat. You know, I just had a lot of meat in there. People have been on this carnivore diet. People were talking about Jordan Peterson was talking about the carnivore diet, and he had me convinced that the carnivore diet was what I wanted to do. And then that diet, all you do is eat meat. You just eat meat all the time. And I thought, well, that's great. I love meat. I'll just eat chicken and steak from now on. Uh, but man, that much meat on your stomach is like, okay, I could have did a, uh, I could have did a four ounce steak in here and, and had some greens, but it was delicious. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie to you. I love it. I love a steak. I love meat. I just like steak and chicken fish. I'm not a pork. I don't eat pork. I'm not into it. I used to, but I'm not into it now. All right. So, um, and then, um, do I have... Any other tips for the road right now? You know what? I'm going to get into this other story because... They're on the road again. Hen and Dusty are on the road again. Telling super funny jokes to all their friends. Hen and Dusty are on the road again. Yeah! This is a story uh, of, a, of a place I've been to now. I don't think it. I don't think it's around anymore. But it's uh, it's a story from from a friend, Mark Evans, who sent me some nice swag. He sent me um, uh, a shirt and a hat that said "Southern, not stupid," and uh, and 
And I like them. They look great. The hat's a trucker hat. Uh, but it's it's more of a sporty trucker hat. Uh, so, you know, like anything too cool is hard for me because I need like a high top silly hat because I feel comfortable when I'm rocking like an old man look. If I feel like I'm rocking too young of a look, uh, it doesn't doesn't work for me. But I, I do think it's a very cool hat. The shirt, very cool. And uh, I'll be rocking it. I also just bought, I, my friends at uh, uh, Hillbilly Vegas sent me a hat and a CD, which I enjoy a lot. Uh, look them up. Uh, at, uh, they sent me a You, you Betchy hat. Uh, they don't have a website on their uh, CD here that I'm looking at, but uh, Hillbilly Vegas is what they are if you want to check them out. Cool people. Um, but this gig is in Johnson City, Tennessee. And I've been to this gig uh, several times. Johnson City, Tennessee. It was a Comedy Zone gig. And uh, I liked it. Uh, but I, I, my first time there, uh, I had only featured a couple of times. I think uh, for, for the comics out there, you'll probably know these places. But I, I in 2014, I had, I had, or I guess late 2013, I won a competition at the Charlotte Comedy Zone, the... Um, what do you call it? Um, I don't know. It was a Debbie Millwater contest. I won that one. And that came with a, a feature weekend. The reward was you get to feature a weekend for the Comedy Zone. And then I won the Almost Famous competition with Blair Nias. And that also came with a feature weekend. So I was like, great. I got two feature weekends. I've never featured before for a weekend. So it's going to be great. So the first one, I got to feature for Josh Blue. At the Charlotte Comedy Zone, which is a great comedy club, and Josh Blue, great comic, uh, great crowds. I crushed it. I destroyed it all weekend, and I thought, man, I am on my way. I am an amazing comedian. Everything is going to work out for me. And then the next feature weekend I got was in Clayton, North Carolina, with a guy named Kurt Green. No disrespect to Kurt. Kurt was very funny. Plays guitar. Great guitarist. Nice guy. But, and I... I'm not even trashing the club. The club was very nice, but I think at the time they had just got some new owners and it was a, a you know, they were struggling to get people in there at the time. It was kind of off on, off the beaten path. Um, and I didn't bomb, but I was, it was like, I was like, okay, there is a difference in the A rooms and the B rooms. And, um, so then my, so I was like, okay, I got some adjusting to do. And then my third weekend was, uh, at a club in Johnson City, Tennessee, the comedy zone. I was featuring for a comic named Mikey Mason, a guy that played the guitar the whole time on stage and had a song called It's a Licky Licky Night. Uh, look it up. And, uh, um, uh, but we were working together, and it's in Johnson City. Now, Johnson City is, you know, East Tennessee, pretty country. Uh, I like it there, but it's pretty country, and it's in a Holiday Inn. Holiday Inn, you stay there at the Holiday Inn, and then in the bar, I think it was called Secrets. 
or something like that. Whispers. I don't know. Something, something soft like that. And, uh, the manager was a real Southern gay man. And he, he, he talked like, like he had a, like a Macon, Georgia type of accent, you know, like that. And he was just such a nice person, but he, he would not come to your aid if the audience got rowdy. And the audience almost always got rowdy. And, but it was, uh, in the bar and there would just be, uh, you know, there'd be like 12 people that showed up the minimum. They were always like, well, if, if we don't get 12 people in here, we're going to cancel the show. But every time they would get like 12 people. So it's like, you're always like, okay, we're doing the show. So I'm still excited to be doing comedy though. You know, it's like so far I've had a great weekend in Charlotte and I've had an okay weekend in Clayton. So I'm like, I'm still got a pretty good average. I'm feeling great. And so I go up and now before I get, I'm not disrespecting Mikey Mason. I mean, that guy is doing his thing and he, he, but he, you know, he's a guitar comic and it's a different kind of thing, right? I mean, it's like, I think that in the realm of, of comedy, right? If you're a guitar comic, you're still a comic, but I, I just feel like stand-up comedy is a thing all to itself. Stand-up comedy, to me, means you're standing at the microphone with nothing but you and the microphone. You're not doing anything else. You're not singing songs. You're not dancing. All of those things are still in the realm of comedy. But to me, it's performance art. You're performing now. With comedy, you're just standing up there telling jokes. So I just think it's a different thing. And... Stand-up comp because, you know, I can't dance. I can't play the guitar. I can't sing, right? So comedy, I got to hone the comedy. So I feel like it's important to me uh, to differentiate. So I would go up uh, and, oh, Mimi Benefield uh, was hosting those shows. And she was very new to comedy. And uh, so, you know, me, but Mimi was also doing stand-up. But she would go up, do her thing, you know, uh, she was doing so-so, and then I would go up, and I was thinking, man, every time I was going up, I was like, I'm about to get them. I'm about to get them. And I would just go up there and just bomb. I mean, these these 12 people in the audience would just look at me. I mean, I'd get some laughs here and there. That's that's the point where I started, you know, my third weekend, I started to get a little dirtier because I was like, that's the only thing they respond to. Anytime I would... You know, that's where I started telling that like VHS joke about about my dad, VHS porn tape. And it was because um, I did it one time there and they really laughed. And I was like, okay, that's what I need. I need a little bit of this humor sprinkled in so I can get by. And then, um, you know, and, and then I just, you know, then they would just look at me. But then Mikey Mason would come up. And he would play the guitar the entire time, and he would just destroy the room. Those 12 people were going nuts. And then after the show, I'd be out there. I don't even know if I had CDs at the time. Let's say I did. I had something. Now, I couldn't have had CDs uh, because, yeah, I wouldn't have had CDs that early on. But either way, maybe I did. It doesn't matter. I was I had something I was trying to give the audience and they would come by and they would just hug Mikey like ah oh, they would just they would just praise him and then they would look at me and they'd be like well you'll get it keep going you pretty funny too stuff like that and it's fun 
uh, I'm happy that they enjoyed the headliner because they should have. But um, it's always it, it's hard to uh, it's hard to take. You know, it's uh, your pride can get crushed pretty quickly in comedy. That's why that's why I think a lot of comics are nice people. I mean, most of the comics that I meet, even the really big comics that I meet on the road are very nice because I think we've all been through this long road process. And that's why a lot of YouTube comics that get get fame out of nowhere are not all that nice because they haven't had to work for it like the rest of us. Now, I'm not saying that all YouTube comics are bad either, but uh, if when you don't have to work for things, you don't appreciate them as much my opinion. And uh, so then, but the greatest thing about the Johnson city, Tennessee uh, gig was that you're staying at the holiday Inn, you, you stay at a really nice room at the holiday Inn, and then you just come down the elevator to perform. So, you know, I, I always thought this was a terrible gig, but one of the best things about it was that you got uh, this hotel to stay in. So this is going to be Mark Evans' story about, and I'm just going to read what he wrote, even if I repeat some things. Um, story time with Dusty and Hannah. This is uh, Mark Evans. This was one of my favorite gigs. It's in a very nice Holiday Inn. I love when shows are in the hotel, so all you have to do is get off the elevator. Okay, so this story isn't about a bad hotel. It's about a very bad thing that happened in a hotel. Around 3 a.m., my phone rang. This seemed really strange because ever since the cell phone era, my room phone never rings. I answer and I hear an old, grisly voice saying, He's a Johnson City police lieutenant and that I need to leave my room and come to the lobby immediately. I figured the other comic got drunk and was trying to prank me. I was thinking, you can do better than this. And I said, F you, Josh. I'll see you in the morning. The voice got louder and said, he wasn't Josh. He was a cop and that I needed to get downstairs now. I looked in the hall and it was full of woken guests. So I went back in to call the front desk to see if this was real. The front desk lady was freaking out, saying, yes, get downstairs. So we all go downstairs to be passed by a dozen SWAT team members dressed in full body armor heading upstairs. It turns out some guy murdered his wife and her lover, drove to the hotel and checked in. I was behind him in line at the front desk when I checked in. He used his credit card so he was easy to find. We were all shuttled into the restaurant comedy club, and a little while later, we heard an explosion, and the lights flickered. Soon after that, SWAT team walked back down, and a dead body was slowly being rolled out. The lieutenant then came in and told us what happened. As he put it, we blew the door off his hinges, and he decided he didn't want to go to court, so we shot himself. Uh, <laughs> it's now 5 a.m., and the hotel called in the kitchen staff to feed everyone. I wasn't really in the mood to eat, but I was on the road, and it was free food. I was keeping a running story of updates while it was happening on Facebook, and by the time it was over, there were more than 100 people following me. So that's his story. That's the story about Johnson City. You know, I'm going to do... Um, uh, Mark sent me a couple. Uh, 
But and a couple of people, so I'm going to read another, but I'm going to say Johnson City, I mean, that's crazy. I mean, to have the SWAT team, have the SWAT team have to come in and while you're sleeping in there, uh, knowing that the, the, the guy that you checked in behind had just murdered his wife and his lover. I mean, the Johnson City, I've been there, I think, three times, maybe twice only, but uh, only once when I was there was it full. And when the room was full, it was really fun. It was like any other comedy club. But the problem was it was never full. So I had a, I had a couple, you know, there was two couples, and they were older, 40s, 50s, and they were so drunk, they were just heckling me the whole time. And it got really tense and really heated because I was really making fun of them after a while because I was like, you know what? You're not going to let me talk. I'm just going to make fun of you. And I I looked and I saw that manager. He just backed out the door. <laughs> like people were wor- people told me later that they were worried that I was going to get into a fight with these people. And it never got that heated. Um I just didn't understand. And uh, later I was standing outside. I was having a cigar out front and I saw the two couples leave. They exited out a different door. And these are very grown people in their 40s or 50s. And the one guy was so drunk that he fell and he knocked over this huge trash can outside and the other people had to help him up. And they were all just laughing. And I thought, man, you're in your 50s out here falling down drunk. And, 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 you know, and it's fine if you're that drunk, falling down, if you're nice people. But it's like, you're rude people and you're falling down out here. What's going on with you? What you got going on in your life? But I appreciate Mark Evans sending this in. This is Johnson. If anybody else has Johnson City stories, I'd love to hear them. Uh, you can find Mark Evans at southernnotstupid.com. And um, I'm going to read one more Uh because this was, uh, uh, I know that I know I don't know if this is the club. I know the city, Jackson, Tennessee. He said this happened to my feature in Jackson, Tennessee. When he got back to the hotel after the first show, all of his stuff was sitting outside of his room, and this was a days in that had outside rooms, so there was uh, so there was any it was there for anyone to take. Uh, and the front desk told him that they messed up and put him in the wrong room and gave him his new key. He was very naive, so he didn't raise hell much, uh, much less complain, or even ask why they didn't put his stuff in the new room. He just laughed it off. If it were me, I would have said, where's my where's my Mac and my full video camera kit and the $1,000 tuxedo I was going to wear on stage tomorrow? Uh, and that was his last story, just kind of a, a throw, throw, uh, throwaway, but uh, I just think that's interesting. I mean, how, how people will just treat you, and I think... Some of these stories are old. I think the days of uh, that kind of stuff is over because of uh, reviews. I mean, I think if you if a hotel does that to you now and you leave bad reviews, um, you know that they, they're they living in fear of that nowadays. I'm trying to do too many things and I'm getting distracted, and I can't just focus on talking. It's hard to just talk to yourself for uh, for this long. But Casey Aurora, my friend Casey Aurora, he has sent me some. Stories about a hotel he stayed in in New Orleans. And I'm going to try to get on those next week. Thank you, Mark, for sending those in. If anybody else has any they'd like to send, please send them. Um, you know, my stories have never been too crazy. You know, I mean, I've stayed at some bad places where they're just kind of raggedy. But I've never had any real. I mean, the weirdest thing for me is I, I was featuring uh, for Julius Goggins at Milwaukee. 
in Milwaukee, Wisconsin at a club called Jokers. And Jokers, I had never been to Milwaukee, uh, and I left Tennessee. It was sunny and bright, and I got to Milwaukee, and it was cold and rainy, and there was construction everywhere, and I thought, oh, man. And I show up at the hotel. I forget what the hotel is. I want to say it's a La Quinta, but uh, no reflection on the La Quinta, La Quinta, La Quinta, whatever it's called. And because this was just an individual one, and I also don't even know if it was a La Quinta. But anyway, the point is, I show up. It's rainy. I walk into the lobby. The lobby is full of people. Now, this looks like homeless people, and the lobby is just full of them. And I was like, oh, gosh. And the guy checking me in had a smile on his face the whole time. And I like to think that that smile was, the lobby never looks like this. I can't imagine what this guy's thinking right now. That's what I like to think. But then, so I go on in. And I get to my room, and the room looks like that it had previously been broken in, but now they fixed it. But they still have like the marks on the door where somebody had been jabbing in there trying to pick the lock. And I had a sleeping bag with me, and I just, I had, I had such a long drive, and I was so freaked out by this room that I, uh, I put my sleeping bag on the bed and I just got inside of it and just kind of curled up because I was tired, but I was also like not wanting to get in the bed. So I ended up going on couchsurfer.com. That was a thing I was into for a little while. I hosted some couch surfers and I was looking for a place to stay and I found a couple of people and they were like, you know, this one girl was like, well, you can't stay because I have other people staying here. But, you know, if you're interested in getting together tomorrow, uh, we're going to be going to some brunch and whatnot. So I ended up doing that. I hung out with these people. I went to brunch with them. And then we went to uh, a street festival in Milwaukee where they had like a strongman competition and all this different food and events and music. And it was a great day. I love hanging with those people. And uh, so that something really negative turned out to be real positive. But anyway, those shows... We were at Joker's Comedy Club, and Joker's is underneath a sports bar and a strip club. It's a really nice club inside, but they never get anybody there, and the shows were never good. But a nice club, nice management, but it's underneath a strip club, and it's just like, it's just got such a weird vibe. The whole thing has some negative vibes about it, and and Julie was... I was featuring for Julie and I talked to her about the hotel and she was like, yeah, I was freaked out by it too. So we agreed. I had, I had never met her. And so we agreed to show up at the same time so we could at least walk in together. And uh, it was fine. But I was really freaked out by it at first. And, uh, but it was fine. So none of my, you know, traveling stories are really scary. I mean, People talk about prostitutes coming to their to their doors at their hotels. But again, I think a lot of these things have changed. I think that people are more aware and they're like, we got to make sure that the comics have at least decent lodging. I mean, I still hear a few things here and there, but everywhere I've stayed, it's at least decent lodging. I mean, there's some places that I wouldn't want my wife to stay at. Uh, but she also, Hannah's tough. I mean, she stays at all these places too, so she can handle it. I don't like it, but she can handle it. Um, if you'd like to, you know, I, I don't 
I said earlier that I'd probably add some music into that story. I'm probably not going to do it. It's it's 8.15 here. i got to get packed up to go on this journey today to Peoria, Illinois. Uh, so if you're around there in Peoria, come see my show. It's going to be a fun time. You know, I'm, I'm just going to um, get this out now. And uh, if you want to keep up with me and Hannah uh, on social media, mine is at Dusty Slay on Twitter and Instagram. Hers is Miss Hannah Hogan, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Facebook, Hannah Hogan, Dusty Slay. I don't think either of us use Twitter much, but uh, Instagram and Facebook. Uh, actually, Hannah doesn't even use Facebook. She uses Instagram a ton, though. Um, and look for me at J- Stinky's Joke Barn in Bismarck, North Dakota. Uh, <laughs> that cracks me up. I can't stop. Uh, I can't stop talking about Stinky's Joke Barn. And. Uh, but, uh, yeah, go on there, leave a review, leave a review based on uh, a five-star review based on the best podcast that you've heard me do, not necessarily based on this one. Although I think this one was a lot of quality. I had a lot of uh, quality takes in here, and uh, we did it. I talked for 50 minutes this early in the morning. Great Scott. And I've been watching some fun things. I'm going to tell you, I've been buying sitcoms on DVD. I go to McKay's bookstore, buy sitcoms on DVD because I'm pretty tired of being controlled by the streaming services. You know, it's like I, I get Netflix or Amazon or whatever, and I'm just scrolling through, and and it's like they tell me what I can look watch you know what i mean and i'm like nah i'm gonna go i I still like buying cds and i still like buying dvds so i bought like the bernie mac show and uh everybody loves raymond and kevin uh what is it uh king of queens i watched a little bit of all of those yesterday those are great shows very funny having a good time king of queens is hilarious i mean kevin james is great and also his uh i think it's leah remini she's very funny too Oh, and um, Jerry Stiller. Jeez, that guy's so funny. Patton Oswalt's great in that, too. That's a, it's a hot show. and uh, But Everybody Loves Raymond's really funny, too. I remember making fun of that, like in the early 2000s, making fun of how it was just basic TV and no art involved in it. And, and now I watch it, and I'm like, no, this is great. This is a really good sitcom. They did a great job. And uh, so... If you live in Nashville, go to McKay's Bookstore because they got DVDs for cheap. I I don't know. Everybody's into digital. I'm not trying to be like some old man that's like, I'm hanging on to the DVDs like I can't get the digital. I get digital, but I also have had hard drives that just stop working, right? I, I put all this information on there and then they just stop working. And then all the info that I put on there is gone. And then I call and they're like, yeah, we can get that off there. It'd be $2,000. And I'm like, well, $2,000 is not worth $2,000, but I'd like to have it. So with my DVDs and my CDs, that doesn't happen. If my hard drive gets wiped out, I still got them. So, you know, I'm, I'm not into, I like, I like having things, you know, I like owning things. I like physical, I like physical things that I can touch. That's why having a nice bank account looks great, but having some cash money feels good. You know what I mean? I like I like uh, tangible things, things I could touch. I don't know if I I don't know if I'm clear on what tangible means, to be honest. But I think it means 
something physical, whatnot. But, uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, what an exciting time. I mean, oh, by the way, I never said, I don't know if you're sports fans, but Alabama won that game. Alabama beat LSU. They, they shut them out. And it was pretty exciting. I stayed up to like 3 a.m. It would have been 4 a.m. if the time didn't change watching that game. But a college football game really flies by when you can fast forward through all the timeouts, commercials, and injuries. One thing that I noticed, though, the Alabama – Alabama – now, this is you know this is just – if you don't like sports, you probably just cut this off at this point if you want. But uh, this is – Alabama has so many players, right? They have so like a lot of teams will have like one running back. Alabama has like four, right? And and it's great because Nick Saban, great coach, and he's really bringing all these people in. It makes the team really good. But uh, the way the announcers treat the players, it's it kills me. Like one uh, running back got hurt, and the announcers had been talking about how many players Alabama has, uh, how much depth they have, and they said. Oh, he's hurt. Well, just put another one in. Just replace him with another one. And it's like, I get what you're saying, but that is still a person. And he just got hurt. And you're just like, well, easily replaceable. Just put another one in. I was like, we should still treat these people like people. You know what I mean? And uh, that's it. Now I'm off my soapbox. We're having a good time. My name's Dusty Slay. Hannah will be back with me next week, helping to keep the podcast exciting. I miss her voice on this one, and I'm sure that you do too. Thanks for tuning in. We're having a good time. Mm-hmm.